My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It is Britt today with the most exciting guest. I'm so excited to introduce you to him. Jamar Washington, you guys, Jamar has a very, very powerful story. He went from working $8 an hour at the Hampton Inn to earning six figures as a commercial photographer in only a few years. You guys, he was able to accomplish all of this while being convicted a felon, which is huge to accomplish something like that. You should be very proud, Jamar, honestly. Um, this is where he developed his number one mantra, you guys, I won't starve, which is a catalyst for him to, that he used to leave his job after only one year. You know, since then, he's been able to work with international brands such as Nike, Save the Children's Foundation, NFL, just to name a few you guys. And, you know, he's also the host of Starve Talk podcast and the president and founder of J. Halim LLC, which he works with small and minority business owners to help them get certified to do work with the government, which is absolutely huge. Welcome to the show, Jamar. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. It is such a pleasure and honor to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Me too. Now, I know I kept my part very brief. I think this is the perfect time to take us back through your journey. I mean, fill in the gaps as to how you got to where you are today. Oh, man. So, you know, um, I became a felon very early in my life. I was what you would call um, a juvenile delinquent. But I was a good kid overall. I wasn't hurting people. I just found nefarious ways to make money. Um, some of these kids now are doing it um, legitimately, <laughs> but, you know, doing that type of stuff, getting in trouble. But I always went to school, never thought about dropping out of school, nothing like that, played basketball. It was just getting in trouble, making money, stumbled my way into college. That's why I became a felon. And when I graduated school, I had to start being an entrepreneur because I couldn't get a job. You know, even though I graduated, I had good grades, things of that nature. So it worked out for a while, just doing my business. I moved away from South Carolina where I was in college, moved up back up north, was in the D.C. area. That was kind of OK until the Obama era hit when the economy went crazy. The world was nuts, you know, so I went I started having children. It's time to move back, move back to South Carolina where it was a lot cheaper, sold my business. I had a commercial cleaning business at that time. And South Carolina is where I became a felon. So it's like oh, wow, you're being reminded again of I'm in the job market, trying to figure this out, can't get a good job. It's years later, but it still wouldn't give me a good job. So I had to take an $8 an hour job working at the Hampton Inn. That lasted for about a year. Um, I wasn't making $8 when I, when I finished. I was back like 13, 14 bucks. But, um, you know, I just knew that I was destined for more. I knew I could do more. I had already done more. And um, I had adopted that mantra, I won't starve, because I just knew that I've, I can do this. And I got tired of people telling me, oh, it's better for you to play it safe. You know, don't go out here. Go keep trying to find better jobs. I got tired of the rejection. So I just let myself know. Then I let everybody else know that I won't starve. And I started hashtagging it, putting it on my social media. This was like the end of 2014. 
um, when I left my job, literally like November 2014, by 2017, I was a six-figure photographer. So it was just one of those journeys. I just went all in and um, I paid, it, it paid dividends in the end. Absolutely incredible. Thank you, Jamar, for really, you know, getting vulnerable and opening up to us as to what it was like for you. Uh, you know, how do how do people live off of eight dollars an hour or, you know, even 13 nowadays? Like, truly. So what was that pivot like for you? When, like, were you afraid when you were pivoting into the entrepreneurial journey? Tell me about that feeling, because I know a lot of people listening might be on the fence about doing it themselves. No, um, it was home for me. You know, again, like I said, I, I've been, I've had the entrepreneurial spirit forever and I was getting in trouble being entrepreneurial as a kid. Right. So when I'm in college, I'm doing business. I, I'm from the New York area. So I would drive from South Carolina to New York to get t-shirts, get bootleg Louis Vuitton bags and stuff like that. Come back selling them. I was always doing some entrepreneurial. So we threw parties and promoting parties and all that good stuff. So it just was people kept back in those days. It wasn't so fun to be an entrepreneur. Everybody entrepreneurs was the crazy people in our day, you know? So everybody was saying, Oh no, keep, get a job, get a safe paycheck. That was no, it was no, nobody saying, Hey, go ahead, do the thing, do your thing, step away from the job. Like it is now. No, everybody was like, no, get a job, get a job, get a job. So you just standing out like a store, sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Once, um, I left, again, I left school, tried to get a couple jobs that wasn't happening. So I just went right into business. So it was a comfortable space for me. The difference was I had children at this time. And so now I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I have something stable for them. I got to make sure I can take care of them. So I'll go and work. I'll do this. And that was the brainwashing. And again, I, I, in my second book, I tell people get a job first. I don't have a problem with nobody getting a job. That just wasn't for me because that, you know, they wouldn't let me get a job. I would love to have a job to pay the $60,000 of student loans that I had to pay. Like, I get that. But for me, that wasn't the thing. And it's not for every, everybody's story is different. So I, I knew my kids would be fine. I remember going to a TD Jakes conference down in Orlando, Florida with my church. And he brought a lion on stage. Of course, it was in a cage with a full-grown lion. And um, he said that the reason why we have this lion still in the cage, because he's been, he'd never been in a while. He was born in a cage. He said, we're afraid his instinct might kick in and he realized who, what he really is. And he might hurt somebody. He said, but that's somebody that's in here. You know that you're living in a cage life and your instinct is telling you, you you're due for more. Three months later, I got an office space. I got a 400 square foot office space and started doing my photography. A couple months after that, I left the job and I never went back. Love this. Thank you. Thank you, Jamar, for going into detail there. Now, let's talk a bit about exactly what you do today within the business, within the coaching. How do you go about delivering your services? Who do you work with exactly? If you wanted to, I just want to make sure my listeners have a really good idea of exactly who you work with, um, how you go about delivering your services, and uh, so forth. Oh, okay, great. So um, when I was doing this photography run, <laughs> You know, about the next year, 2015, in South Carolina, people look it up. Um, we had a whole bunch of stuff going that year. It was when a manual nine shooting happened when they shot, um, the white supremacists shot the people at the church. Then they had a, the Confederate flag was brought down from the capital of South Carolina for the first time. And then we had a thousand year flood. Well, my camera, me and my camera, we covered all of that. Right. So I ended up shooting my, um, the mayor of our town at that time. 
And while I was shooting him doing some functions and he said, hey, I need to get that footage from you. I said, no problem. Sent it to him. He loved it. He got his people to contact me and say, hey, they want to work with me. So I did some jobs for him. Um, I did his headshots, did some events with him, with other people who was coming to the city, bringing some support um, to, the, to the city. I covered that. And that was my introduction to working with the city. A gentleman in the city said, hey, are you certified to do business with the government? I said, what's that? <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. I'll tell you what it is. He told me what it is. I went and got certified. Started from the city level, county level, state, federal. So now here I am working. This is how I got to that six-figure mark. You know, started doing a lot of work with the government. Um, a couple of years go by in 2017. I'm successful. People took taking me around, showing me I'm the token guy. Hey, he's doing very well working with the government. Well, the government about to lose some money. The city is about to lose some money um, working with minority contractors because they have what's called a supply diversity um, quota that they had to meet. Had to, which means they had to give a, a, some contracts to minority business owners, like 5% at the time, but their contracts had to go to minority business owners. These are women, LGBTQ, Black, anybody's a minority, anybody who's not a heterosexual white male, they had to get those contracts, at least 5% at the time. Well, I stepped in, used those skills of promotion, everything like that, started an event called the Island Star Experience and brought those individuals to the city so that they can go ahead and do it. Well, they meet their quota. Now, I'm not no longer there anymore, but their quota now is 15%, which is triple since I started working with them. Um, 15% of their business has to go to minority contractors. Well, this is where my consulting firm comes in because they still don't know how to navigate that space. I do because I've worked it. I've gotten certifications. I've navigated the RFPs and RFQs, which is requests for quotes, requests for proposals. I know how to navigate the relationships, all of that stuff. So I started helping people do the same. The government is not going to lose any money. As you can see, a week or two ago, we just said that we can print more, right? So getting in government contracts is freeing. And a lot of minority contracts, especially ones that look like myself, are getting one half or 1% of the contracts in the country. So it's billions of dollars. So it's so much money that's out there. And me being the person who know how to navigate it, I play as a go-between to get my contractors business with the government. Incredible. This is absolutely incredible. You are making such a difference in this world. And let's talk about, you know, scale to sell. You know, you have the value behind this. I'm going to let you take the stage and dive into this topic. Scale to sell. Well, you know, when you have a business, people get into a business thinking that it's just something they're supposed to do for the rest of their lives. And that's not what that is. You know, we get to a point where the business is going to do better without you. And the business, and we have to understand that going into the business, the business is not you as a separate entity. And it's like your child, you don't stop your child at 18 and make them stay home. Don't let them go to college, everything like that. When you build that baby up strong, you got to let it go out and be the best that it can be. You know, um, Tim Cook didn't start Apple. You know, Tim Cook is, is picking up. And, and doing and moving forward with Apple. A lot of people, you know, um, Bill Gates is no longer with Microsoft, but Microsoft is still going. Like these businesses that's growing, you're not supposed to be there. And because I had the, the privilege of growing and scaling the business and selling the business, that was like, wow, you know, you're not the person at 22 years old. If you start a business at 22, at 42, you're not going to want to do the things you did, but someone else will and sell it, move on to the thing that you want to do. 
but a lot of people don't think like that. So you um building your business up properly, creating the proper valuation, creating a separation from yourself in the business gives your business value and creates an asset. You know, you don't have to have a great credit score if you have a two hundred thousand dollar equity in the business. You know, that's that's credit right there. You know, and you can probably fix whatever credit you have problems with with that business. You know, a lot of those rich people that's in business get equity and get loans off of their business. Something that you create, something you're working every day. So it's so much that's, that goes into scaling and creating a business that's sellable and just have a valuation. It's amazing. I put that in my last book, Business Corner, what's really needed to survive the entrepreneurial fight. Because we fights are just that. It's not supposed to be all the time. You need to be fighting with a business all the time, your kid all the time. They don't stay five forever. They don't stay in a terrible twos forever. You know, these are journeys that you go through, but you have fun because you don't have to stay there forever. You've gotten through it. You see where they are now. You see where you are now. And now you can have that testimony, but let somebody else go off their husband and wife. You know, they let them go ahead on and deal with them now. You done built them up and made them into strong individuals so they can go off. And that same um, logic goes with your business. Absolutely. It's so true. You know, you don't just cage them and you let them go off and live and learn and grow, grow. It's so important, right? And, you know, we can't let that fear of failure or anything get to them either or or get to us, right? It's a roller coaster ride. You put what's in, you put the right stuff in your, in your business. You put the right stuff in your kids. It's going to do what it's supposed to do, you know, but yeah. So once, once the people come around a lot of time, businesses need management. When we, we're, we're us entrepreneurs, we're visionaries. Once the vision is casted, how does it being managed? A lot of visionaries don't know how to manage a company. And you got to be honest enough to say that and say, let me bring some people in who can actually manage this. And so we can go to the next level. Absolutely. So let's talk about, you know, you mentioned management. Now, when is the right time to delegate? When is the right time to build a team and, you know, outsource? Is there ever a right time? Tell me your thoughts behind that. Definitely is always a right time to do that. You know, anything that you can't do, but the business needs is just like, okay, I always, I always equate my businesses to babies, right? So if you know, you have to work to feed this kid and yourself and, the time you have to put them in a daycare, right? You have to. Now, I'm not saying just put them in any daycare. You're going to go and interview. You're going to go find the best one. You might put them in one and that don't work and you put them in the next one. But that's what you do. It's no question about it. You have to go to work and then working is the same time that the kid need to be babysat. So you're not going to not work so you can stay home. And that's the only reason, that's the only way you're going to feed, feed yourself. You're not going to grow. Business, right? If you know you don't know accounting, Get an accountant, you know, or hire a bookkeeper. Stop trying to learn everything. You need to know enough to be able to understand what the accountant is talking about. But you don't need that skill. Your skill is landscaping. Your skill is being a plumber. Your skill is being an electrician, whatever your company is, you know. But everything is cute to do everything. And, well, you're just giving yourself a job. You're not giving yourself a business. And that's Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. It's so true. Honestly, like, you know, we, especially as entrepreneurs and CEOs, business owners, like we oftentimes find ourselves wearing every hat. We don't need to. It's so much easier and more scalable when you can just replace yourself in certain areas of the business. So you're not working as much in the business. And now you can go back to the CEO um, position and work on the business. Definitely. You know, 
definitely. And you're not, and don't please don't feel like you are, you know, um sounding like 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 you're too much of a CEO. No, it's not like, oh, I gotta be a CEO. You got enough right. work. I promise you, you got a lot of work to do on your own. But trying to do something that you're not gifted at. It's going to hurt the business. It's not going to help the business. Yes, you might have to go to two or three people and to find the right fit. Some, you know, you might have to train somebody. That's fine. But once you have that going, that means that it's great. You don't go into the school and start teaching the class that your kid is going to. You you make sure you get them in the best school possible that you can afford, and let them teach them science and math. Now you re you reiterate it when they come home. You reassure them. You make sure that they know what they're doing. You help with homework. But that don't mean you up there doing five or six hours at school teaching for them because it won't work. It will not work. And so your business won't work that way. Your business won't grow that way. And I always tell people, you're not going to be able to sell or evaluate a business that's only has you. You know, nobody's going to pay for you. Nobody's going to say your business is worth $200,000. It don't even matter if you have a $200,000 contract. If you're the only one there to run it, is your business is not worth anything because if they take you out of the equation, they can't do the contract. Perfectly said, you know, and like you said, you might have to do some trial and error to find the right fit person for the position. That's okay. You yeah. know, and I've, I've heard this so many times, like, you know, you should look for someone better than you in, in those specific areas to fill in your position. Like if you need an account or someone to do the books, if you need someone that's, you know, um, an assistant of some sort, someone who's really good in those areas. So you can focus on where your strengths are in the business. Like let them like put them in the position, give them a chance, you know, because honestly it's, if you can't leverage your business, you can't leverage your business doing it all on your own. Yeah. Not even, not even a little bit, Uh, you know, for me, we we deal with um, certifications. I do not do certifications. My company does certifications. I would not do all that paperwork. I've never, I didn't even do my own paperwork. (laughs) You know, I know what the process is. You know, I am certified in multiple states and in the federal government, but I've never sat down and put pen to paper or typed on no certification for nothing. And I don't (laughs) do it for my clients. Mm -hmm. The staff takes care of that. So like, because that's not my gift. My gift is not paperwork. (laughs) My gift is creating relationships. My gift is sales. So I know everybody in this place, that place. I know how this works. You know, I don't do all that. I is a part of financial portion of it. I'm not an accountant. So when we're getting people helping my clients get loans so that they can go ahead and start their contract because it takes about 30 to 60 days to get paid in the government. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I have the relationship. Hey, you go talk to so-and-so about this and we go to work this out. And they're going, my people are going to make sure their people get you squared away. But that's not who I am. <laughs> I've never done my business taxes, not one time myself. And all these years, I've been in business for 20 years. Like, I've never done that because I don't know how to do it. And I have a business degree. I know enough, <laughs> you know, but I don't know enough. I don't want to know enough to do all of that stuff. I don't want right. to. So I think that people need to think about that. 100%. Now, Jamar, let's talk a little bit about your podcast, the Starve Talk podcast. What were the intentions behind it? Where is it at today? Oh man, you know, um, that's that's a special thing to my heart right now because I started what's called a YouTube show called um, In a Studio with Jay Haleem back in 2016. And it was very, very successful um, back in that time. But STARVE, we came up with an acronym for STARVE called Stand Tall and Reclaim Victory Every Day. 
And so the goal for the podcast was to talk to individuals who had those type of stories, those I won't starve stories, those overcomer stories, and shine a light on them. And that's what we've been able to do. Um, funny thing, we just got back going because in my relocation to Vegas last year, I kind of put it on pause while I was transitioning from one side of the country to the other. But now we're fully um, going, um, full, full speed ahead. I, I'm enjoying it. It's We have a lot of people lined up to interview. We have interviews coming out every Wednesday. But it's been an amazing thing. That's been my passion to find the people who had those same type of stories or even better stories than I have and shine a light on them. When I started in the studio, it was about entrepreneurship. I was finding entrepreneurs that wasn't the celebrities that everybody wanted to talk to and giving them, shining a light on them. And it worked tremendously. And this is doing the same. I love it. Now let's talk a little bit about podcast marketing. Mm -hmm. How do they tie into well together? If you want to dive in just a little bit more. <laughs> podcast marketing is funny, you know, um, podcast marketing. I tell people, you just got to, you know, um, have some staying power because in the beginning, people just don't, it's not going to click on what you send out. You know, and it's like opening up a store, you know, trying to sell shoes. People don't want your shoes right now, you know, but long as the longer you stay open and the longer you keep the doors open, you keep putting out good content at the while, somebody's going to give a chance. And then they, if you're doing it right, they're going to fall down a rabbit hole of listening to this show, then this show, then that show. And then it's going to start doing something. It's going to start building for you. But if you think it is going to pop off immediately, that's not a good idea. Just Make a good show, get, keep getting better with your audio, keep getting better, you know, um, with your presentation if you're putting it on camera. And then you just keep the content coming because they don't just turn, I mean, that's the biggest thing I tell people, you can put all the money you wanna put in, it's not gonna turn around tomorrow. That's just not how it works. Because people listen in a binge formation, like everybody wanna keep hearing, oh, I saw the YouTube video, next thing you know, I'm gonna listen to the next five of them, right? And then now you got a podcast thing, but you got to stick with it. You know, you got to stick with it. Um, also marketing locally too, like focus on local. I've seen bigger podcasts that people don't realize that it is, if you've got 200 listeners, it's a local business that will probably advertise with you for those 200 followers that you have that's listening, as opposed to trying to get the big name people. You know, I've been able, when I did my first show, I had all those people I talked about, the city, the county, everybody paid for advertisement with in the studio with Jane Haleen. When, when COVID first hit, they were on the show and they were paying to be on the show because this was my audience. And that's a media, media brand. But we get confused because we want to be the biggest podcast, we want to be the breakfast club or something like that. If you yeah. got 500 people in the chokehold that's listening to you, that's 500 people somebody else don't have. And sell that audience to those 500 people you know um and, and you can make some money off so true honestly like you know a lot of us get confused and think that it's all about the numbers all about the downloads are sort of all about the downloads and it's really not no. like you can have a little amount of downloads and make piles of money opposed to those who have more downloads than you unless yeah. like you know what i mean sponsorship is great all that kind of stuff but you have to you know it, it, you can make money without do that you can make more money with even little amounts of downloads than someone who is getting sponsored here and there you know what i mean so if you have the right audience 
you know, you're attracting the right people, 500 people, like who knows, those could be your potential ideal clients. But the truth of the matter is, is this, you know, social media gives you the illusion that you have all of these things. If you have 5,000 people, which I have about 5,000 people on Facebook as my friends, right? But I don't have access to them because if I did, I wouldn't need Facebook. I'm a media company if I have 5,000. There's a small town that don't have 5,000 people with a radio station or a newspaper that doesn't have 5,000 people. So if I have 5,000 people, I'm on my own media company and I don't need Facebook. So they're not going to allow you to not need them. So understand the 500, the 50, the 100 people you have, if you can give them value, they'll pay for it. They'll pay for it. 100%. So, you know, just work on giving value and making sure what your show does is something for them. So we are getting to the point where, because again, I have the photography background and the film background. So now locally, we're getting to doing, you know, real videos for these individuals. So when they come in to the studio, we're going to create real, you know, wraparounds for them so they can take it and use it. That's money. You know, now they don't just not for us. They can take that same show and put a minute clip, two minute clips on other things to promote their business so they can go ahead and do what they need to do. So, you know, utilizing that, that's perfect. This is what the news stations used to do back in the day, but they would charge you a crap ton of money. You know, um, it's, it's just doing business properly, but we got to stop thinking about what's going on social media. I love doing business with the government because you can't get a government contract off of social media. Love it. Yeah. And another thing is just consistency. You know, you're building that authority and credibility by having a podcast. Yeah. It's going to take time, like, but just be consistent. You know, we hear about pod fade all the time. Don't let that be you, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't. It's this, you gotta have a purpose though. You gotta have a purpose of why. Yeah. You do it. And again, with me once a week, I, I'm going to continuously be filled up by hearing these motivational, inspirational stories of individuals that's overcome things that I couldn't even imagine, you know, people might say what they say about my story, but then I'm hearing a single mother with five kids that was still able to do a business and everything like that. And all this other person that lost their um, husband, you know, traumatically, and she was still able to go on. And like, these stories are so amazing. I'm like, that's, that's motivation. That's the purpose for me to to do another one. Like, oh yeah, man, let me do another one. So you got to do that. Just do it because you see other people doing it. What, what is the purpose of why you're doing your show? And again, with that stand tall and reclaim victory every day, that's everything to me and to my um, organization. We're looking to keep those people um, on the forefront and in front of everybody else. 100%. Jamar, I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing such value with my listeners. You're a rock star. I love what you're doing. Now, I want to give you the next sec- a couple seconds here to let everybody know the best way to reach out to you if they are looking to connect. Thank you so much again for um, allowing me on the platform. Just look up Jay Haleem, J-H-A-L-E-M on Google. I'm Googleable, as they say. All my social media platforms is I am Jay Haleem. And, you know, um, my books are on Amazon or on my website. You go to jhaleen.com. You can get all my books, like four of them. Um, and you'll see my daughter's books and other books that I, um, my assistant, Tamika, I, she just did her um, sixth book, but we published that one through Jhaleen LLC. So that's on there as well. And, um, yeah, we just continue to roll and rocking and rolling and making some um, great waves in this country and in the world. hundred percent. Love it, Jamar. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. No problem. Thank you.
Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher and want to come on just like Jamar Washington did today to tell a bit of your story, talk about what you got going on in the business and um, your podcast, please go to top100interview.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Thanks, guys. Catch you on the next one. Bye. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.